Welcome to Behave Intelligently, an uncensored exploration of behavior in the workplace, life, and the larger world. I'm your host, Jay Johnson. Thank you for joining this week's edition, where we're going to talk about behavioral intelligence. I'm joined by some behavioral all-stars from Coeus Creative Group, Mr. Mark Garrison. Hello. Madison Bennett. Hi. And Stephanie Sim. Hello. Welcome, guys. How you doing today? Pretty good. How about you? Good. Real good. So before we get too far into the topic for today, where we're going to talk about behavioral intelligence, let's take a look at why we're doing this podcast. Our company, Coeus Creative Group, believes that behavior is the foundation of all success and failure. And when taking that approach, one of the things that we have strived to do is help uh, a multitude of people really improve their behavioral intelligence. And by doing so, we have found them being more successful in their work, in their personal lives, in building relationships, in their networking opportunities, and a whole host of different platforms. So when we think about behavior, we really kind of take a look at the fundamentals, like what causes behavior? What is the driver behind what we're doing uh, each day when we walk into work? What's our routines, our habits, all of those different features of behavior, and how can we make them the most productive, the most effective, the most efficient, and even how can we improve those aspects to truly give us an advantage in work, in life, or in play? So who is this for? This is really for anybody that wants to improve their understanding of the world around them. And ideally, you know, when we start to interact with people, everybody always has a question like, why the hell did that person do that? And that's one of the questions that we seek to answer on this show is, why do people do the things that they do? Or why do we do the things that we do? Why do we react in certain ways? How do we, how do we break out of those uh, habitual routines where we are reacting to things and be able to control our own behaviors? So when we think about who this is for, it can be for that working executive that's driving home from work right now and saw somebody swerve in front of them and really wants to understand road rage. And it could be for that uh, individual who is working at their house and gets into an argument with their neighbor and can't figure out a way to resolve that conflict. So we're going to take a whole host of different topics where behavior is the center point, whether that's meetings, sales, negotiations, that could even be something as simple as deciding which movie you want to go see with your friends. All of these different things have a behavioral element to it, and that's really what we're going to focus on. So if you have any interest in human behavior, this podcast is for you. So what are we talking about? Well, let me be the first to tell you that human behavior is hilarious. It's so absurd in the way that people interact with each other. And if we really take a step back and identify some of those key markers, not only are you going to laugh, you might just cry. And uh, at some point in time, we'll have some catharsis and you can move forward from there. But uh, this episode is really going to talk about behavioral intelligence and helping you to improve your success in your personal and professional lives. But uh, let's talk a little bit about behavioral intelligence and where this concept comes from. So I'm, I'm going to point this over to Madison and Stephanie. Interestingly enough, you guys joined the Coeus team. Uh, you know, when you came on board and you heard this phrase, behavioral intelligence, we'll start with you, Stephanie. When you heard this phrase, behavioral intelligence, what did you think that was or what did that mean to you? Immediately, I was like, okay, this sounds similar to emotional intelligence maybe but i'd never heard of it in any psych class i had taken or just on the day-to-day 
and I was Googling around, and I, I just really didn't see much about it, so I, I it was a big question mark for me. Awesome. What about you, Madison? What did you think when you heard that? Oh, I had no clue. <laughs> um, especially, you know, coming from journalism, I was just like, uh, I don't know what I'm really getting myself into, but, you know, I'm going to go into this interview. Um, I think I kind of went in blind. I don't think I, I really, this is probably the first one I wasn't like super prepared for because I, I had never done anything for marketing or, you know, our whole like talent development side. I'm by no means a public speaker or coach in any way, shape or form, but um, you know, you guys were really great about explaining it. And, uh, now that I have been immersed in it for some time, it's something that relates to everything we do. Yeah. To be honest, when I heard behavioral intelligence, to me, that's just a fancy way of saying, don't make bad decisions. So that's what I thought. Like, okay, behaving intelligently is me not screwing up. Well, and I love that you bring the decision capacity into that because that's obviously a huge part of what we try to do is help people to uh, make better decisions about their behavior, i.e. us being called Behave Intelligently podcast here. So, uh, Mark, let's hear from you. What are, what are, what are your uh, thoughts on this whole idea of behavioral intelligence? And you've been with us from the beginning as we started to develop this and redefine this concept you know, for the last six years. But what are your immediate thoughts? Well, you know... As we were developing the concept, uh, I look back on the history and what I was doing, and I started looking at my career path, and it was all in messaging and communications, from working with nonprofits, chambers of commerce, and a lot in the political sphere. And everything I was noticing was all tied to behavior. Uh, the communication was how to get people to behave in, in the political world. It was sending out a message to get people to come and vote and vote for your candidate or your issue uh, in the chamber. Uh, it was getting people to come out and join your chamber or attend your events. And that behavior side really fascinated me. So we started developing that. I was like, there's got to be something here. What is this little niche area? And how can we build this and, and make it into a... a solid concept. And so that was kind of how I approached it uh, as we were developing it. So I love that. So if you're listening to this and you're like, what the hell is behavioral intelligence? You're not alone. Don't worry. I mean, this is something that we really work to to define the space. So uh, maybe I'll start with kind of a, a concept, a, a little narrative of how we'd like to define the behavioral intelligence piece. So everybody's heard of emotional intelligence, as Stephanie kind of pointed out that like, okay, maybe this is, you know, emotional intelligence is ugly sister that wasn't brought to the prom. And, you know, it's something like that. And these guys are kind of crazy. But hey, what the hell? I'll give it a shot. Um, but think of a card game, like if you're playing poker, or if you're playing euchre or something like that, when you're playing in that card game, you're going to be dealt a hand of cards and all of your opponents are going to be held, a, you know, dealt a hand of cards and you're not going to get to choose your cards. Otherwise, the game would be very, very slow and nobody would else would win if you got to choose your own hand. But you're also not going to get to see your opponent's hand. And that's really kind of, you know, that's that's a metaphor for emotions. We don't get to choose the emotions we have. We don't get to choose uh, how we feel about something. That's just a natural process, and that's something that's really well-founded in neuroscience. We also don't get to see 
the other people's emotions. So we don't necessarily know exactly what they're experiencing, what they're feeling. You know, even if we take it to something like a concept of pain, my pain tolerance may be very different from somebody else's. And it's the same thing with emotions. So somebody else's emotional tolerance may be very different. So if you're a card player, you know that you're not actually necessarily just playing the cards. It's really important to know how they work. You know, does ace come before jack? Does jack come before uh, 10? You need to know those structures. That's the emotional intelligence side of things. But in the card game, you're actually playing the player and you're playing their behavior. You're playing the the table behavior. How are people betting? How are people uh, reacting to certain things? When they get their hand, do they, you know, look down? Do they look up? And all of those different body language pieces. So we started to look at this behavioral intelligence as emotional intelligence is invisible. You can't see the emotions. You can't you can't touch the emotions. But the behavioral part is completely visible. So what if we could actually help people to understand those behavioral reactions, those, those different things that they do in a way that they maybe haven't understood those before? And once we can explain those things, now we can really kind of look at what's a better strategy for us to behave in the future. What do you guys think about that? I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and that, that kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier is that I was seeing behaviors, but I couldn't figure out what was causing them. And so that was driving me insane, to be honest. And so that's when we started developing this concept, I was starting to see, oh, I am playing the player. I'm playing the voter in this scenario and getting them to come out and vote. And as I could start looking at that science behind it and applying it, it started to make a lot more sense to me. And I could start seeing how this applies to every single thing in daily life and how all these other businesses might be doing this. But do they know that they're doing this? Right. Or do they just know that, hey, this worked last time. Let's try it again. Yeah. So, Madison, you came from journalism. And I can only imagine all of the different behaviors that you got to experience on a daily basis, whether doing the interviews or whether writing stories or being under deadlines. If you were to, if you would have had a little bit more knowledge about behavioral intelligence and sort of those concepts, do you think it would have been something that would have made your life easier back in the day? Or how would that maybe have affected the way you did journalism? I wouldn't say it would necessarily affect my storytelling because... As a journalist, we don't tell stories to make people happy, um, per se, but we do, um, you know, a lot of interviewing and dealing with people on a daily basis. So you kind of know when you have a controversial topic that you're going to get, you know, some not happy customers, per se. Um, so I think it would have really helped me understand why people were reacting and acting the way they were when, you know, I'm going out to different events that might not strike a chord with everyone in a positive way. So you ask that question and all of a sudden <laughs> they recoil or they start twisting in their chair or anything else, being able to read those symbols. I could see that. So Stephanie, your background, you know, in graphic design and, and uh, a lot of the different artistic elements that you do, how does, how does behavior play into that for you? Is there somewhere that you've seen behavioral intelligence even apply to that side of your life? I'll get to the art bit in a minute, but in general, behavioral intelligence is fascinating fascinating to me because it seems like it, it, understanding it can give you um, more agency over your own actions. I feel like a lot of people justify the behavior by saying, I couldn't help it, I had to do it, or um, I had no choice, and understanding those motivating factors can help you take a pause and say, 
no, actually, I am in complete control of how I react to something. Not necessarily, not necessarily how I feel about it, but what I do about it. And understanding that level of separation um, is beneficial in all interactions, like for graphic design, um, for interacting with clients who maybe have um, very strong ideas about what they want, but might not know how to communicate it, and um, taking those two steps to say, okay, um, I can see you're feeling like this. Um, what can I do to help? Uh, that could be an approach. I'm not sure if that made sense, but I'll get back around to it eventually if it clicks in my brain. No, I think it makes absolute sense. One of the things that you know we always talk about is if people like you, they'll do business with you. Mm-hmm. And ultimately being able to read whether or not they're going to connect with you or whether they do like you or dislike you from that body language side of things or from the signals that they're sending off. And then if you notice that there's something that's kind of a challenge there or a break in that relationship, being able to say, hey, what's going on? You know, how can how can we build a better relationship? And that's, you know, a big part of that conflict resolution. Conflict is behavior. So linking it to there and linking it even to the the, the likability aspect, I think, is critically important. So let's define this behavioral intelligence thing. Uh, I'm going to give you a very simple definition, but I also want to kind of correlate it with a story that I guarantee virtually everybody in the world has experienced. So we define behavioral intelligence as the skills and abilities to accurately explain existing behavior, predict future behavior, influence other people's behavior, and control our own behavior. So if you're looking for an easy acronym, and we didn't even intend to do this when we kind of came up with this methodology, it is EPIC. Explain, predict, influence, and control. Uh, The control is the internal side, the influence is the external side, and then the explain and predict part of it is all about understanding or having a much higher awareness of the behaviors that are being exhibited around. So one place that you may have seen this is, let's give an example of a meeting. Imagine you're sitting in a meeting and as you're sitting around the table, all of a sudden, you know, somebody's giving a report on one element of the meeting and uh, Mark's giving this report. And while Mark's giving his report, Madison stands up and storms out of the meeting and everybody's standing there and going, what's going on? That's where the explanation piece goes on. Like, did she just quit? Is she out of here? (laughs) You know, but... That explain piece kicks in there like, what just happened? Was there something that Mark said? Was there something that Madison was experienced? Did her phone go off? Was it something completely unrelated? So we start to look at those behavioral drivers. What are the things? Is it an emotional driver, an environmental, a cultural, a contextual? All of those things, you know, be different areas that we tackle in the future. But how do we explain the behavior that just occurred? If we find out later, you know, from Madison that she was just really upset with the way that Mark was presenting his information and she didn't think it was fair, she didn't think it was true or anything else, well, now in the future, we might be able to predict those behaviors. So if you've ever walked into a meeting and gone, oh my God, I have this meeting today and it's going to go horribly because I have to talk about bylaws and, you know, people are just going to have their own opinion and this, that is a predictive model. So if we can predict that behavior, well, then at that point in time, I might be able to put an influence method into place. So if I know that Mark is going gonna, is gonna to give Stephanie a really hard time about all of the different bylaw changes and everything else like that, well, maybe I put an influence method into place that's, Mark, today I'd like you to take minutes 
would you take minutes for us? Because that's going to give Mark something to do. It's going to maybe get him a little bit less involved in some of the conversation because he's going to be having to write everything down. So that would be a very simple influence method to maybe change the nature of the behaviors inside of that meeting. So if Madison got up because she just really needed coffee, we would make sure that we enforce a mandatory coffee break at the beginning of meetings. I am 100% down with that, as you well know. Yes, the more coffee, the better in a, in a meeting structure. So, you know, the final piece of that is that control element. Uh, if something goes wrong inside of that meeting and say I'm the meeting chair or even if I'm just a participant, how am I going to control my reactions, my behaviors? How am I going to make sure that I don't get drawn into a dramatic, uh, you know, a dramatic issue that's going on inside of that meeting that I can keep a level head. And there's a lot of different ways to do that that, you know, we'll explore more as we kind of get into some of these podcasts. But our simple definition is behavioral intelligence being the ability to explain existing behavior, predict future behavior, influence other people's behavior and control our own behavior. So from that context, I, you know, maybe I'll ask a question here. What would you guys think is the hardest part of that for you? And it's going to be very different. If you ask 100 people, somebody's going to say control is the hardest, you know, managing yourself. Some people are going to say getting other people or influencing other people. So I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. I'm just more or less curious. What do you think is maybe one of the hardest things to be able to do inside of our, our structure of behavioral intelligence? I think I'm pretty good at controlling my reactions, my behaviors. I really like the explain side, but the part that I think is the most challenging, uh, maybe for me and for others, is influencing other people. And that's, I really think that comes with practice. And um, you really have to have a good knowledge of maybe that person if you're trying to really influence a major behavioral change, uh, that it's maybe you have to try, try, try and try again, <laughs> you know, it might take time and find whatever that right factor is in terms of influencing that change that works and it's not getting discouraged. And I think, uh, what can often happen is you tried to influence that change. It didn't work, but remember you still have to control yourself at that point too and go, okay, that didn't work. I'm not going to react. Let's try something the next time. Let's try something different. Let's try something different again until we find something that works. And I think most people are not willing to continue that effort over and over again to to make that behavioral change uh, or to find that uh, trigger to change the behavior. Yeah, for somebody like me and my personality type, it's always it's almost a, a gamification like, okay, we're going to try this today. We're going to try this today. And I'm okay with multiple different signs of influence. But that's definitely something that we'll kind of approach as influence is one of the key elements of leadership. It's one of the key elements of sales. And obviously, even in our personal relationships, being able to influence to say, no, 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 let's go to this movie and not that movie. So it, it plays in every aspect of our life. You know, I always look at it and say, you know, from our consulting side of our, our company, when we go in and we've done the data analysis and we've looked at all of the different elements of culture, then trying to influence the client to accept our recommendations or to implement our recommendations sometimes. 
And, you know, inevitably people always have their own kind of position or personality. So maybe they don't go 100% with our recommendations. Maybe they just try that first one. And then, okay, well, that worked pretty well. Let's try the second one, the third one. You know, that's something that we would kind of call incremental influence or incremental persuasion at that point. So uh, influence is a challenging thing. And I think it's something that, you know, people can constantly be working on to improve their influence. You're kind of a scientist at that point. It's like test 347, (laughs) subject one, fail. Test 348, subject one, right? Until you find that right combination of things that work. And sometimes that's just tapping into their intrinsic drives. It's tapping into their existing beliefs and being able to map that message to it. But And the better you know the person, the easier that might be. Yeah, but if it's certainly. someone you don't know, you really have no idea what those those drivers are for their behaviors. So you may have to start, nope, it's not this. Nope, it's not this. And finding what does work. And that's where I love the, the, you know, the application of things like body language or even just environment to give you some of the cues up front so you have an idea or at least a strategy to start out with. But yeah, you can just like Facebook's algorithms, right? Like you go to a shopping site, you do something on there, and then all of a sudden you start getting all kinds of advertisements. Well, maybe some of them are good, maybe some of them are bad, but eventually Facebook fixes that algorithm to where you're getting the exact advertisements that you should be getting most of the time. (laughs) Those algorithms can still be flawed, just like our prediction ones. So let's kick it over to you guys. And, uh, you know, what what do you think? What is your most important one, Stephanie? Well, I do want to answer your question, but I have a follow-up question for both of you about influence. Sure. And um, the question is, playing devil's advocate here, when we get into gamification and all of the strategic ways you can influence a person, what is the difference between influencing and manipulation? Oh, I am so glad you asked that question. That's actually one of the, like the first slides that we have in any of our influence trainings. Like, use this for good. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I like to divide those two things, and, and I can let Mark answer from his perspective if he's got a different one, but the way that I like to divide those things is intentionality. Am I influencing you towards uh, something that is going to be a detriment to you? If my intention is to influence you in a way that's going to harm you, that is what I would call manipulation and or unethical influence, right? Um, What does that mean in terms of, say, something like marketing? I have a product and I want to sell you my product. I tell you why my product's great or I tell you why I designed this product. Uh, This product would be great for you. Okay, well, at that point in time, I would look at that as influence. I'm, you know, I'm not doing something that immediately harms you. Now, if you find out that my product actually has tons of arsenic in it, and I knew that, and it's going to harm you and your family if you buy that product, now we're getting into an unethical side. My intentions are not necessarily to be a win-win. It's definitely... I'm trying to influence you into something that's not going to have a good outcome for you. So intentionality for me is one of the major dividers of being influential and getting people to kind of buy into your idea versus being manipulative and getting them to do something that's counter to what they would be comfortable with or counter to uh, their own you know, future value. Mm-hmm. And I would agree. I mean, it's I always look at it as influence, good, manipulation, bad, whatever that outcome is. And the, the bad is um, not a fair situation, maybe a um, 
the viewpoint of an evil doer, you know, a, a maniacal laugh in the background right. when they're doing it type yeah. thing. <laughs> Twisting you know? the mustache. Yeah. Um, where I'm trying to get something that benefits only me and nothing good for the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, where the influence is, is to change a behavior that makes the situation better for both parties or both sides. Okay, that makes sense. And I think that's an important clarification for listeners who might not be familiar. And I also think that um, influencing is is good because it comes from a desire to understand uh, oneself and others and the way they interact. And I think th- the need to understand other humans is an inherent good. Absolutely. Um, now to answer your question after that <laughs> sidetrack. Um for me, predicting is difficult because um, the rational part of my brain says, like, how can you predict a human? You can't predict the future. People um, people can just make decisions out of left field, right? Or no. I don't know. So, I, yeah, predicting is one of the harder things to do, I think, in terms of uh, always being right. But the predictive models that you kind of build are always something that's evolving. It's almost like strategic planning, right? Some people think you design a strategic plan, you put it into play, and then you never touch it again. But you always go back to that each year and say, are we still on the same path? Are we still on the same course? And so on. It's really the same thing with prediction. You know, if we look at prediction and we say, how are people's habits? How do they react to certain situations? How do they... um, how do they necessarily look at different things and what does that tell us about how they're going to look at it in the future? So we're using a lot of sort of the data that we're capturing as humans to understand that. Let me give you a real easy example. If you've ever been, say you're taking um, uh, somebody that you've been dating and you want to introduce them to your brother or you want to introduce them to a sibling and on the way to that meeting, you look at the person that you've been dating and you go, okay, Listen, my brother is probably going to say something that offends you. I just want you to be aware of that. And, uh, you know, just in case it happens, don't, you know, don't, don't worry about it too much. That is your prediction of human behavior because you've seen that behavior over and over, or maybe you've seen a habit over and over. Now, you may get to that meeting or you may get to that interaction and nothing happens. Well, sometimes that's a great thing, but being predictive allows us to be prepared for the worst outcome and be able to have a strategy to be able to address that outcome. So even in the world that that doesn't happen, or even think about a time that maybe you said, I can't believe Jay did that. Like that's so outside of his behavior. That is a prediction. You've predicted what my behavioral patterns are. And then at that point in time, I've acted outside of that. That may change your future predictions. Oh, Jay is capable of forgetting bringing donuts to the morning meeting, right? And that might be, you know, I may have done it nine out of 10 times, but if I forget that once, now I've created a new predictive pattern of Jay forgets the donuts sometimes. Today I did not, but you know. No, but I don't think your record is nine out of 10 times, by the way. I wasn't going to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Madison, what do you think is the hardest? Um, Personally, for me, it is controlling my own um emotions and behaviors um you know i'm i'm very outspoken which i'm sure that our listeners will come to learn but um, our fire personality i don't don't have an issue saying how i feel but i have a hard time um kind of controlling my behavior in that sense 
uh, I'm very reactionary. So when I'm, I'm upset about something, um, you can immediately tell I'm, by the look on my face that I'm upset about it. Um, and it's something which is actually hard for me to work on, um, even though I need to considering I work in customer service. Um, and also being a journalist, you know, you kind of have to have a poker face. You can't react to the way people talk to you or have um, really rash reactions to comments people make, you know, nothing you do is going to make everyone happy. Um, but it's it's a tough one for me. So you're <laughs> asking a question and all of a sudden they give an answer and your mouth drops open and you're looking at the person like, oh my gosh, did you just say that? And all of a sudden I'm going to probably tighten up a little bit and not necessarily try to answer that next question or change my approach. Now I can see where that's a challenge, but I think that you manage your behavior quite well. So um, but I can understand how control is control is one of those things where whenever we see somebody like if you've ever been in an argument with somebody and then all of a sudden you say that one thing and you're like, oh, why did I say that? I am immediately regretting I'm saying that I'm going to have to pay for that later. There's consequences to whatever my personal behavior is. That's also a good prediction. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Well, I think control is also tricky because I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum where I over control my behavior to the point where I end up not taking any actions because I rein it in so much. And then I end up not saying what I meant to say or doing what I meant to do out of fear of um, tipping the scales and, and making other people upset. And that's absolutely true. Control is one of those unique ones that is kind of bi-directional. Do we over control? Do we under control our own behaviors? So that is certainly some of the challenges inside of, you know, that sort of uh, that silo of behavioral intelligence. Ooh, silo. Good word. Yeah. <laughs> now, interestingly enough, and and this wasn't planned at all, but we've heard uh, predict, we've heard influence, and we've heard control. And I was actually going to say that mine is explain. And I think that for me, and one of the things that's always the hardest is looking at all of the different elements of our behavior. Because when we think about behavior, we often think like one thing promoted that behavior. So uh, Mark, you know, Mark said something to offend me in the meeting, and I immediately reacted to it. And I stormed out of the meeting. But that's only part of the story. Because the second level of that story is, well, have I eaten that day? Because we all know what it means to be hangry. And when we're hangry, we're not ourselves, or we may not have that control aspect of it. So we could go back to the rest of the day and say, well, you know, I, I hadn't eaten or I hadn't slept very well or I was stressed, and that may contribute to what my behavior was. We can even go back to uh, the way that we were raised. You know, is it were we raised in a more uh, dominant environment, aggressive environment, passive environment? That could have an impact on it. We could go back to the genetic side of things and say, you know, are we from an individualistic uh, culture? Were we born into a culture that was more individualistic? And what Mark said was, you know, kind of counter to what that individualistic culture was. Or am I from more of a collectivist culture? And what Mark said was against that. We can go so many different directions from the emotional side of things, from the intrinsic drive side of things. So kind of narrowing in and being able to explain that, I think, is part of the challenge. But the beautiful part about behavioral intelligence is it is a skill and it is a practicable skill. And the more that you practice it, the more that you get good at being able to say, 
this probably contributed to this and this probably contributed to this. Therefore, I can predict this in the future. And therefore, if I do that and make those predictions, I can influence it in this way or try this influence measure. But I know to also control myself if that doesn't necessarily go the right way, which is part of the reason why we love doing this behavioral, you know, different behavioral games. I'm going to tell you one more quick story before we end up here today. If you ever want to practice your behavioral intelligence, say you're sitting at a restaurant and, you know, you're looking across the restaurant and there's somebody sitting on the other side, analyze their behavior. Start becoming really aware of all of the different motions. Um, I'm going to tell you where this works and where you probably shouldn't follow in a footstep. So me and a business partner to remain nameless, I'm not going to call them out on this, but we were having a discussion about a couple that was sitting across from us when we were having dinner one night when we were traveling and, and you know working with a client. So we go out to dinner and we see this couple that's sitting over there and we're doing one of our practice sessions where we're trying to analyze uh, their behavior. Are they a couple? Are they dating? Are they brother and sister? So we're going back and forth and, uh, well, look at the way that their legs, uh, look at the way that their legs are turned at the table. Look at how they're leaning into each other. Look at how they're, you know, guarding. They're doing these behaviors. Look at these behaviors. And I had made the assessment that I thought that they were brother and sister or that they were related in some way. And my business partner had made the assessment that they were actually a couple. Now, for the most part, when you're practicing these things, it's really about practicing the awareness. So you're trying to just see the different symbols or signals or anything else like that. You don't always get to know what the actual story of it is. But in this case, the business partner decided to call over the uh, call over the waiter and ask the waiter, hey, can you send over a dessert to that table and tell them happy anniversary? Oh my gosh. So the waiter's like, yep, we don't tell him where it came from. But the waiter goes, gets a dessert, takes a dessert over to the table, drops it off the table and says, happy anniversary. And I'm not joking. From the other side of the room, you couldn't see these two people recoil away from each other fast enough. I mean, they're like literally, no, no. And they're shaking their heads and saying no. Ultimately, we ended up finding out that I was correct in that situation, that that was probably not a couple. But that is something where we look at and we say, we look for the signals to be able to explain the behavior. We can predict that future behavior. Let's never send that cake again. That was probably awkward for them. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) We define an influence method and what that method is. You know, we may have to change that or incrementally change that, but being able to control our own behavior. So hopefully this gives you a much better understanding of what behavioral intelligence is and gives you an idea of what we're going to be talking about on this podcast, Behave Intelligently. As we go forward, we're going to explore a whole series of different situations that you may find yourself in uh, from a professional side, from a personal side. But our real goal is to give you true applications that you can take immediately from this and start applying in your life to make your life better. Because we believe that Behavior is the root of all success and failure. And if we can help you with behaving intelligently by improving your behavioral intelligence, that's something that we have been put on this earth to do. So thank you for listening today. Uh, Say goodbye, my friends. Goodbye, my friends. Oh, I knew it. I knew you were going to go there. (laughs) You predicted it, right? Oh, yes. Oh, I'm getting better already. (laughs) That's right. So thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. Thank you for tuning in to our very first episode of Behave Intelligently. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you might be listening. If you want to learn more about Koya's creative group, 
please visit our website or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at CoeusCG.